Hi, and welcome to Save Your Sorry, the podcast where we tell you about the rise and fall of your favorite or rather least favorite celebrity. I'm your host, Jose. Joining me is my best friend and co-host, Katrina Rochelle. Hello. And this is our bonus episode, so we will be discussing a celebrity memoir. Yeah. Did you pick, Katrina? It's your turn this time. Well, if you weren't uh, with us for our last bonus episode, I covered the book, How Y'all Doing? Misadventures and Mischief from a Life Well-Lived by Leslie Allen Jordan. Mm, Yes. Yeah, I guess we get into how we feel about it after we do this review. So let's just get into it. I chose it for a couple of reasons. So I chose this book because I am a fan of Leslie Jordan. I watched him on Will and Grace and several other shows where he was just, you know, he did his little bit parts. He was a very well-known character actor. And he was in a ton of stuff that I didn't even know that I found out while reading this book. You listen to audio, right? You're an audio girl. You know me. I heard (laughs) it was going to be narrated by Leslie. I was was listening. Yes, I I feel like we say it on almost all of them, but it does add an element to it. Especially Leslie Jordan. He's so animated. Very animated, and if you are familiar with Leslie Jordan, one of the things that separates him from a lot of people is his, like, southern draw, like, him being a down-south boy without being a down-south boy, if you know what I mean. (laughs) It's kind of interesting that some of the books we've picked are these larger-than-life characters that don't seem to shed that when they go into acting, just, like, thinking of Leah Remini and the mother of Black Hollywood. Yeah, these are the rare cases of people getting further in life and in their career just being who they are. They didn't have to like put on a mask or a different face or persona. Yeah. The second reason, of course, was that this was a shorter book and we've been reading novels, y'all. Novels. <laughs> so let's get into how y'all doing. Leslie starts off the book with one of his famous quotes recently, which is the whale shit. And he talks about how initially he was not raised to cuss, especially in the household with the mother that he had. And he tries not to cuss as much. He still, of course, does. Even though Leslie Jordan is a well-known character actor, like I said, he didn't really have a social media presence. So like a lot of actors nowadays, new, old in the game or just getting up to date in the game a lot of people have instagram quote unquote x accounts and all that other stuff but leslie jordan was booking stuff uh very well known coasting on his name especially when it comes to those tv shows and broadway plays he didn't have to have an instagram but he ends up booking this show uh called the cool kids and when he books the show, The Cool Kids, initially, his character is so far off from who he is as a person that he's like, well, what y'all want me for? Yeah. But he goes into the audition. He changes uh, a, a lot of the key components of who the character is, something more similar to who he is or something that he can really deal with his uh, skill set and his comedic genius. And he wins the part crushes the audition, and now he's a part of the Cool Kids. The Cool Kids only lasts a season, unfortunately, and it didn't really make a mark. I mean, I didn't even know about this show. Did you know about this before reading it? I did not, but I don't really know Leslie. You're, you're not? Okay. You're Maybe I should have started with that. Let's put a pause before we get into it. So you are not familiar with him at all, or have you seen him at least? I knew him in American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. And from there, I'd be like, oh, that's him. Like, you you know, you can always spot him out as soon as you've seen him. Okay. So you just knew him from that one thing. Otherwise, you was like, yeah, that's yeah. That's, and that's the, last cool show, the last show he was on, Call Me Cat, I watched that one. Interesting. You did? I did, yeah. I didn't even. I did. To be fair, I didn't even know about that until it was too late, unfortunately. Yeah. And I mean, pretty much like we've been saying, the same kind of character, Southern, gay. Mm-hmm. Very witty and quippy, you know. He's he, he plays the same character, but he doesn't. He makes it different, but it is kind of all in his wheelhouse. Yeah, like the foundation of who he is is there, but he changes it up a little. Exactly. I like the way you put that, yes. So, unfortunately, like I said, the Cool Kids got canceled, and it had a lot of nice people on it. It had David Allen Greer, where you might know from In Living Color, 
had Vicki Lawrence, where if you're older, you might know her from Mama's Family, The Carol Burnett Show. If you're a little bit younger, you might know her as Hannah Montana's Mima or something. <laughs> um, and then it had Martin Mull, who I know, of course, from Roseanne, playing Roseanne's boss, Leon, one of my favorite people on that show. Oh, yeah. It got canceled, but it did serve at least one big purpose, and it got Leslie on Instagram. When Leslie gets on Instagram at first, you know, he's like stunned by just like 20,000 people following him. And he's like, man, look at these numbers. And, you know, some people, you know, the younger people ain't impressed. They're like, eh, they ain't nothing. But it gets higher and higher. It stayed the same for a little bit, but then comes this big event in the world called the fucking pandemic. COVID-19 shuts everything down. When the pandemic happens, Leslie has been on Instagram for a little bit, but not too long. And because he wants to take care of his family, he uh, temporarily moves down to, uh, I think, Tennessee to be near him in a little apartment and check in on him. And beforehand, he was just doing little post things that he wanted to talk about when he was on standby at the cool kids waiting for, I guess, his call time or whatever. But now Leslie has a ton of time on his hands. All he has to do is check on his family every once in a while. Besides that, he said he's just stuck in his apartment. So Leslie starts getting on Instagram, telling stories, just basically talking out loud, whatever comes to mind, uh, talking about his father, talking about his interests, uh, singing, He's doing it all. And he's not paying attention to what's happening. He's just talking, posting, talking, posting. And it's at one day where he's at home and his one of his friends call him and is like, bro, you went viral. You're every fucking where. Well, you don't see that. <laughs> <laughs> but but he is. Now, do you were you uh, up on Leslie at this point in time or are you still unfamiliar? Do you remember his his virality? I remember everyone like sharing his videos because even in this book leslie's such a beacon of light that it, you know how people say when someone dies like oh they lit up every room they walked in like i i feel mm. like that's generally how leslie is yes and so i'm just like sometimes such a sewer rat that i don't want that life like i'm just like <laughs> you know it's just too much for me you you want to be dark and twisty yeah yeah <laughs> like i i appreciate what he's doing and i'm okay with it in moderations but it's just not like the content I strive to look at. I get that. I get, you can appreciate it, but sometimes you just eh, it's not me. I yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think he's such a sewer rat. Why would you call yourself such a sewer? <laughs> because... You are not. You know, like, if I just go out there saying it's not for me, or like I hate him, like, oh, you hate happiness? What's the matter with you? Like, no, it's just like, you know, well, sometimes if you're in the yeah. sewer, you're in the sewer. There are, there are like, quote unquote, like happy influencers like that are like perpetually happy. I don't think I could deal with that either. Yeah. And I don't feel like he's putting it on. I think his was very oh. genuine as well. Yeah. And, and let me, yeah, let's talk about that just for a quick second. I think a lot of people, just like we said before, like with him, Leah Remy and all these other people, like they got to be where they were by being themselves. I think a lot of content creators and a lot of influencers, especially nowadays, are just just fake, whether it's to protect themselves or to push a narrative. Who knows? But it's a, it's a little off-putting. But I understand why you have to do it. Whereas you have Leslie Jordan, who's himself and gathers all these followers and is viral because not only do you recognize this person as being themselves, but they're funny. And it's like, it's not, you know, it's not a gimmick. Actors specifically, because I feel like so many actors want to be like lost in that role that, oh my God, I didn't even notice it was them. It was such yeah. a transformation. And these actors have chosen. No, I'm going to I'm going to act, but I'm also going to be like bring my own flair to it. Mm -hmm. I agree. Now, one of the things that even made me like admire him even more that, that he didn't even have to do is, like we said, he was getting very much popular. I think he says in the book, like at the peak, he had 5.5 million Instagram followers, but he decides not to monetize his Instagram account. Plenty of people were sending him brand deals and ads, and he could have easily done just one to clear a good little check. I mean, he never said he was hurting for money, but I know some more money wouldn't have hurt. But he basically said, like, this was a fluke. This happened on 
accident. And this is now my vessel to reach the world and tell my stories and be myself. I don't need to put ads on there. I, it's not for that. And I thought that was very admirable. I thought that was very, it was, it was just beautiful because you don't see a lot of artists, actors, creators, creatives take that route. And, and, and they don't always have to, but I thought it was great. No, yeah, it's very noble. It's very pure, but I would be putting advertisements on everything. <laughs> all your po- all your posts would say sponsored. Uh-huh. I would tell stories, you know, just be like, my daddy used to say he loved this brand and just <laughs> have everyone. Well, bro, not you incorporating the brands in the story. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be commenting, this is so inauthentic. <laughs> also, uh, another thing that he did is that he would use his platform for issues that he really cared about. Some would say that sometimes if things don't concern you, you don't need to put yourself in the middle of it. But Leslie saw the the good in having these millions of people who follow him also pay attention to what's happening in the world and spread not only good energy, but good information. So there was, this is in 2020 where we got plenty of protests against police brutality, Black people getting killed, period, both by the police and just getting slain by protests. We lost activists, so on and so forth. But basically in the height of 2020, when all this is happening, Leslie is taking a look. He's looking at the political climate and he's like, I'm not really involved in politics per se, but this could be a good moment to kind of use my platform for good. So he reaches out to this woman named Disha Dwyer, I think is her name. And she used to be Barack Obama's press secretary. And he basically reaches out to her because he's heard her speak and uh, heard that she's a great community leader and an activist and goes to her and says, you know, do you want to use my platform to tell everybody about this the, the things that are going on in the world uh, to give them good information to anybody who's maybe interested or uneducated or confused. And I'll just take a back seat and I'll listen as well. And so he basically gives the login information. He gives his account to Miss Dwyer and lets her have the platform for however long. And he tells his uh, followers, I think a little bit before the day before, like, I hope you come to this live. I hope you pay attention to what's being spoken. That's something else that this man who has no stake in the black community doesn't have to do, but he chose to. And this is at a time where a lot of celebrities are just posting black squares or saying, you know, peace to both sides, or they're not saying anything. (laughs) So I think it was just beautiful that once again, not only is this man speaking out, but he's going above and beyond. I thought it was very interesting how he wanted, you know, at first he was questioning speaking out at all, but then it was more of, I want to speak on this, but I don't want to over speak people. I want to give people a voice, but I don't want to take their voice away. You know, like so many people, once they become an advocate for stuff, it's almost as like they take away. It's like they become the shining star of, What's going on? Mm-hmm. And as well as it's, uh, they become the face of it, like as in like they're the spokesperson. Whereas Leslie knows, hey, I, I, I support you guys, but I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm not the person to talk about this, but I can find and reach out to somebody who can. Yeah. And a lot of people wouldn't waste their time doing that. So a little bit about Leslie and where he comes from. Um, If you're not aware, Leslie comes from the South. It's Tennessee, which I don't want anybody to come at me wrong. But sometimes I still wonder, how is Tennessee the South? (laughs) Now, I know that sounds like dumb American of me. But I mean, I recognize that it is the South. I've met a lot of country people from Tennessee. But when you look at a map, I'll be looking at Tennessee and I'll be like, it's borderline. But anyway, <laughs> Leslie is from Chattanooga, Tennessee. He has two twin sisters who are younger than him and a mother and a father who I didn't. He doesn't say their names, at least not to my knowledge. They were all raised together until Leslie was 11. And then when he's 11 years old, his father, who was in the military, his plane ends up getting like shot down or it goes down. And 
he is killed, unfortunately. And then Leslie's mother is a single mother. And Leslie talks about how he's now like the quote unquote man of the house. And his mom leans on him a lot to the point where she's like taking him to the store and taking him to banks and like, hey, ask them how to do this or talk to him about doing this. And, you know, he's very apprehensive, like, I'm just 11. What you want me to do? But I think that's very indicative of what this the, the time period Leslie was born in, where it's like men are the end all be all. And unfortunately, even though she's now a single mother raising these children, she still feels like a man slash boy has to ask the questions and do all this stuff before she eventually takes over the reins and starts to learn to do these things as well. Yeah, because she doesn't know how to do it either. Like, it wasn't her place to do it. Yeah, it was her husband did this. Her husband took care of that. She was she just had to be the dutiful wife who raised the children. And then all of a sudden her world changes and now everything that was up is down. So, of course, there was like a learning curve there. I could see that. But that's a lot of parallels from just um, from the old days to the future, whereas you can swap out that boy to a boy or girl where it's a lot of single mothers who lean on their firstborn to help them out because it's a whole new world and everything has changed. So it's not only uh, the children that have to go and walk a different path now that they've lost a parent, it's the spouse who has to do that too. Mm -hmm. Leslie tells a story about basically how he was at a Bob Mackey event and he was surrounded by these these legendary clothes that Bob Mackie designed. And if you don't know, Bob Mackie is this famous designer who has just worked with from who's who of the past to the present to the future. He's designed for him, Cher, Tina Turner, Beyonce, uh, RuPaul. I forgot all the people he named, but it's a lot of people. Leslie happened to be at this event. He even got to meet Bob Mackie. He said, eh, he wasn't paying attention to me, but it was still an honor to see what this man who also was gay, who pulled himself up from his bootstraps, see what he became and me be in his presence. And so basically they're showcasing all his iconic designs, one being the share dress and headdress. Are you familiar with that? Everybody knows about that dress? I think so. With the big feather cap and stuff. And she's showing her midriff, I think. Yeah, I think and, it's one of her iconic looks. Yes. And so uh, one of the stagehands or somebody thinks it'd be really funny if Leslie walks out in this huge share headdress. It's, you know, the juxtaposition of this huge headdress as legendary on Leslie, a short stature man. And I think they even put him in a maid's outfit. It's, you know, it's a great moment. He walks down the runway. Everybody laughs. He's having a good time, whatever. It's days later when his sisters call him on the phone saying, you know you're in the National Enquirer, right? And you know Mama <laughs> reads that bitch, right? That he's like panicked. And he's saying he's basically going back in memory to the point where he knows how she's going to react and how it's going to make her feel. And he's he's very torn up about it. He basically goes back into his past where he used to sneak into bars dressed as a woman or quote unquote drag depending on how you look at it. He even one time ran away to Atlanta. Well, he got caught, of course. But then um, he ran away to Atlanta. His mom uh, chased him down there unknowingly. And he was going in and out of bars. And his mom didn't say anything, but she was catching him. And then they later had a confrontation. And it's basically one of those things where she's disappointed, but she's not angry. And he it even goes back to when he came out to her at 14 years old or tried to. He didn't use the words like I'm gay, but he basically implied that he was, quote unquote, different. And she says like this quote to him, uh, something like, if this is the path you choose, you will be subject to ridicule. And I can't handle that. So maybe you should just live your life quietly. And Which is so heartbreaking to hear. I felt like it was heartbreaking on both sides. <sighs> So that, okay, I, let's talk about it real quick. I did not like Leslie's mother at first until I got deeper into the book. Because when you read words like that, I was like, well, yeah, I understand that this is a different time. I do understand that. So that's why I have to give her a break because it's not like this, even though there were gay people 
ever since there were humans with time, you know, people, what's the word, lose their inhibitions or they, um, they're opening up their thinking or what, what have you. But, um, she's also from the South. So I'm like, yeah, but to tell your son to live his life quietly and to basically paint him to live his life quietly because it would basically break your heart because you're going to get mocked. That doesn't feel good. I saw it more like she's trying to help him. She's trying to save him. Like, yeah, she could not take it as a mother seeing him being ridiculed, but he's going to have to endure all that ridicule because, I mean, just like you said, there was no word for it. Like, he didn't know how to even say, I'm gay. He had to, like, say it weird. And it's just, she's, I mean, she's doing it for herself, but I felt like she was trying to protect him as well. I know, I know, but... Because it's not, you know... It was way back in the day. Nothing's normalized. When he did that drag thing, he said it was before RuPaul's drag show, which I feel like opened up a lot of people's eyes to drag. And even now, a lot of people still have Yeah, this is before some of the big, like, female impersonators, drag queens really came to, like, their pinnacle. So, yeah, I I understand. So that's why it's like, oh, you have to give her grace. But it is, like, it's, it's a little disappointing. Whereas maybe you could feel that way. But when you're when your child's telling you that they are kind of looking for some acceptance, some assurance, and she didn't give it to him at that time. Like I said before, Leslie disappointed his mother with the things he would do, like dressing up in drag, saying that he might be gay, but he loves his mother. He holds her opinion in high regard. So he is going to try to live his life quietly, but it's just not happening Exactly. When he leaves home and decides to uh, separate himself from his mother, kind of, sort of, in a way, and live his life, he ends up running into some issues. He has a couple of drug overdoses. He ends up being broke and hungry several times and has to reach out to his mother to get money uh, for her to wire money to him so he can eat and survive. There was even a, a shoplifting accident where she has to basically like bail him out. She has to go to where he is. And he even said something called alcoholic hepatitis. I still, here's the thing. I'm kind of scarred from health class. So I know something bad isn't going to pop up, but I didn't look it up. But I could <laughs> only imagine that something called alcoholic hepatitis is not great. And so he he, he was falling into very bad habits. He's drinking a lot. Um, he's taking drugs. He's just not uh, the person he wants to be at this time. But that does change. To go back into the National Enquirer drag story, his sisters say, yeah, you don't know. National Enquirer has this big picture of you in the middle of their magazine. And this is one of mom's favorite things. And so he goes and he looks at it and he's worried. He's just worrying, worrying, and worrying. He ends up going to this. And the thing is, Leslie also goes uh, just like, was it Pamela? I think uh, where his stories go from like past to present, pre- present to past. Yeah. So so um, he's at one of his meetings. I think it, it's either AA or it's another addiction meeting. And at this time, Leslie is sober. He does get sober. I think in his death, he was like clean for over 20 years. And he's there and he sees Carrie Fisher. And Carrie Fisher is looking at Leslie Jordan. I don't think they were good friends or anything like that, but they are familiar with each other. And she sees him and she's like, what's going on with you? And Leslie can't hold it in. He's like, oh, Lord, you know, my my mom doesn't see me in drag again. And we have this history with this and I'm going to disappoint her and it's going to be so upsetting and all this and this, this, this. So the meeting concludes, Carrie goes away from Leslie, then pops back up with a phone and says, here, my mom wants to talk to you. Basically her mom is Debbie Reynolds. I hope you know these people, not just Jose. I know Jose knows these people, (laughs) but I hope the listeners do. If you're not, Carrie Fisher is a famous actress who has also had her battles with drugs and alcohol, who sadly passed away just a few years ago. Same with Debbie Reynolds. She's an iconic actress, uh, dancer, and all that, who also died a few years ago, uh, virtually, I think, a few days or a week after her daughter, Carrie, did. What's Carrie's daughter's name? 
Billy, Billy Lord. Billy Lord, yes. Yeah, yeah. Carrie gives uh, Leslie the phone. Debbie's on the phone, and Debbie is reassuring Leslie that he isn't doing anything wrong, and that she knows exactly what he's going through. She even talks about her own experience when, when that woman took took her husband, aka Elizabeth Taylor. Taking Eddie Fisher, which is like one of those old school scandals. Even I kind of know about it. I looked into it. Elizabeth Taylor, man, she low key was a man stiller. (laughs) But that's for another day. Yeah, (laughs) we can't get into all that right now. So she then asked for his mother's number and says she wants to talk to her. He's freaking out, like, oh, I don't want her to know that I'm telling people this, but it's Debbie Reynolds. I think she'll be all right. (laughs) So he gives her the number. Yeah, it seems so bad. Like I'm out here trying about my family business to everyone. Yeah, but he's he's a he's a man, but he's a man who loves his mother, and he's just worried. And he's like, "Who wouldn't want a phone call from Debbie Reynolds?" He did say that. <laughs> <laughs> like, even if she's mad, it's it's Debbie. After the meeting, Leslie is biting his nails. He's panicking. His mom. He's waiting for his mom to call. She calls. He's like, "You talked to Debbie Reynolds?" She's like, "What? I thought that was a joke." <laughs> uh, she's on my answering machine. And he's like, not a joke. You need to call her. She's like, uh, when should I call this movie star? <laughs> and he's like, hold up. Let me ask Carrie. <laughs> ask Carrie. Carrie says, call before five because five, she going to be doing something. She, it's kickoff time. <sighs> and so he calls, uh, he calls his mother back, tells her to call uh, before five. And uh, Debbie and his mother have a conversation. And when he, uh, Leslie's mother calls Leslie back, they basically just talk about the fact of of, talk about what Debbie said, which was that what he does in Hollywood has no bearing on the boy slash man that you raised and that you cannot hold him accountable for everything that goes on in Hollywood and everything that he does. And that there is a certain aspect uh, to acting that maybe she's just not familiar with, but it, it, it has nothing to do with her or him compromising who he is. Leslie talks about how that phone call and then them talking about that even more in depth kind of strengthened his relationship with his mother. He talks about how there were a lot of roles and bit parts that he would take that he knew he couldn't tell his mother, or at least if he did tell her mother, it wasn't something that she was going to brag about or something that she was going to tell everyone about. And so he did hold that shame for a while. Her getting that understanding from, I guess, somebody who is, I, I don't want to say an idol, but somebody who she really likes and he really likes, as well as somebody who's in that industry, kind of eased her mind and made her see her son's way of thinking and seeing what her son wanted to do in Hollywood and what he wanted to do with her life. Maybe she didn't understand it, but now with his guidance and her coming acceptance, her begrudgingly acceptance, they talk more like friends than mother and son. And I thought that was nice, especially since they're adults. You don't have to have that mothering parenting relationship necessarily. Yeah, that was nice. I mean, it was nice. I will say when talking about his American horror stories and roles, he talks about how Ryan Murphy uh, hired him on a couple of seasons, a couple of different seasons on American Horror Story and how one of them was Coven. I think that was the first one. That's season three. And then he was on Roanoke, and I think he said 1987. And I was thinking of you when he said he was sitting around. uh, No, no. This is when he was uh, reading it. And he said he was highlighting all his lines while muttering, bullshit, bullshit. Okay, my line again. Bullshit, bullshit. (laughs) Okay, I said, if Jose was actor, that's Jose right there. I I loved in those chapters how he was like... I can't tell you what the plot was. I just know my lines. <laughs> yeah, he was like, oh, I was just waiting for y'all to start talking about me again. Uh-huh. I also love that he put some respect on Jessica Lang's name. Oh, my gosh. People love Jessica Lang. That is true. I feel, along with him, that she's had a resurgence, and partly due to American Horror Story. Yeah, I will say, Ryan Murphy does have, a like, an ear, an eye for, like, getting the person who's not in the uh, public eye anymore and bringing them in and putting a magnifying glass on them in such a great way that it like 
not only adds to the story, but to their star power, which I, to be fair, besides a couple of roles in just like fried green tomatoes, I think, and something else, I was not familiar with Jessica Lange at all. Yeah, so, I feel like Jessica Lange has had a lot of iconic roles, but she was never seen like as one of the greats. And now I feel like she is. She's She kind of submitted herself when she came back. Yeah. So Leslie also talks about working with Stephanie Ger- Germanata. Who? A.K.A. Lady Gaga. Did you just say who? Uh-huh. It was a joke. It was a joke. I can't say I was having a little drama. And he said he worked on... Okay. He said he worked with her on American Horror Story Roanoke. Now... I love Roanoke. I don't remember either one of these people. Am I bad? Really? Do you remember them? Of course. He was the psychic. He came in to find the missing child. <sighs> was this the fake thing? This was... I don't... Yeah, I think it was the fake one. That's what I was about to say. I need to re-watch this because I said... First of all, I love Lady Gaga and I love Leslie. I remember Leslie in the other seasons. I do not remember him in Roanoke. And I don't remember Lady Gaga either. But anyway. Lady Gaga had a very small role. And I don't think she had that many speaking lines. Still, how did I not know? She was just like a vibe. She was like a little witch in the woods. Not a little vibe. (laughs) (laughs) It talks about how he knew... Lady Gaga or Stephanie, he calls her Stephanie, so maybe I should do the same. How she was raised right and how she was very sweet and very great and very serious about her acting. Uh, he talks about specifically this time when they have like this, th- their main scene together, where apparently he's trying to find the missing child, like you said, and she's a wood nymph. And he, uh, she attacks him or jumps on him or something. And they both have to exchange monologues and then whatever, they die or he mm-hmm. dies. And after they do it the first time, you know, Lady Stephanie, I don't know what to call this woman. Call Lady, Lady Gaga. Lady Stephanie. <laughs> Gaga. Uh, Gaga was like, she was trying to talk to him about the role and everything. And she says, like, she tends to sexualize everything, which... Okay, I'm going to put a pin in that. I'm going to remember that. But she (laughs) says to him, I don't want to sexualize this role and uh, or this character. And then Leslie proceeds to tell us how the scene goes. And it seemed very sexual. (laughs) (laughs) But he seemed, I guess, okay with the end product. But I was very confused about that. It's apparently like she's supposed to attack him and jump up on him. But after they have this, you know, they the cut and then they talk about it and they go back to it. She, she said, he said, uh, she jumped on me and, and rolled me like a Bronco or whatever. And I was <laughs> like, I thought she said she didn't want to sexualize the character, <laughs> but whatever. That's why I said, I really got to watch this. Cause I don't remember that either. What did you think about that? Did you think that was weird of lady Stephanie or do you think that's just actors? I, I don't think it was that weird of her. I, I don't know. I can't really... I remember the scene a little bit, but I don't remember how it played out. It feels like in a joking around manner. Interesting. Because he said she didn't want to sexualize it. That's the only thing I could think of, because I remember she does knock him down, and it's it's not that big of a scene, but... hmm So, I don't know. Maybe whatever the vibe. She was a wild creature in that show. Yeah, that's why I gotta watch it. <laughs> now, we get into an interesting chapter in which... As we know, as a gay man, anywhere you're going to have some trials and tribulations, unfortunately. People are assholes and assholes are everywhere. So in the Not In My House chapter, Leslie describes a time. First, he starts off, it starts off very beautifully. He t- it starts off so light. He talks about how they're uh, in West Hollywood and they have all these hangouts and all these gay hangouts at the, and they're at their Starbucks and they call it the gay bucks. And they, <laughs> they got the the one across the gym and they call it the whatever. Like they have all these nicknames. I loved how he said, we try to come up with creative names or something, but most of the time we just call it the gay, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> the gay dog park, the gay park over there, the gay bucks. Like he was just, it just started off so light. And he's talking about, all their 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 haunts and all their main places that they frequent in West Hollywood. 
uh, specifically a Starbucks in West Hollywood. And he talks about, you know, him being there at this particular time with a lot of other gay people that frequent the coffee shop. And then there's these like two, three, yeah, three guys that walk in that are kind of like rough around the edges, kind of being a hassle, turning into assholes into this place, causing trouble. I loved how he barely had an interaction with them, but he like read them because he was like saying, you can meet any of these guys. I'm not to go into details of day for pay that they show up to these locations. I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> Basically called them moochers and yeah, gay for pay and moochers. Like uh, they, they'll do anything for a buck and they like to stay at the bar and get fed drinks by other people and all this other stuff. I was like, okay. You better know. You better know your audience. Yeah, he clocked them as soon as he saw them. And then he clocks them again. But let's get into it. <laughs> so, uh, of course, once one of the guys, one of the main rowdy guys, is, is like he's on his way out, I think, or something. But he's really calling, causing a ruckus, and he starts to look at the crowd that's looking at him. And once he notices all the people looking at him, he starts just not tossing. He starts throwing out F slurs, calling everybody an F slur. And he then he gets to Leslie and calls him an old F slur. And Leslie, he was like, oh, no, Blaya. And he gets up and he goes into him. He stands up for himself and basically says, you know, this, that's, and third, whatever. Starbucks asshole, you know, comes back to him and they're engaging, but eventually... The guys get put out. And it all started because the guy was trying to use a stolen credit card. That's where he got kicked out. It was a stolen credit card. I thought it was no money on the card. I didn't remember how it happened. Yeah, I, I think it was like flagged for potential fraud or something. Which is, bro, I know Starbucks is expensive, but bro. <laughs> Make sure you have your $7. Having no money or a stolen credit card to pay for Starbucks is crazy. Or like he said, they're mooches. Maybe they were looking for someone to buy it for oh, them. Oh, that's true. They could have just slipped that out of somebody's pocket who was being friendly to them earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, so that they're getting tossed out because of that. And it happens. As these people are leaving the Starbucks, this main guy can't let it go. So he turns to the window of the Starbucks Oh, he spits. He spits at the window and stares Leslie down. And Leslie ain't having that. And he ain't going to act like he's scared either. So he he takes his drink. People are trying to stop him, trying to restrain <laughs> him. Because they see that this ain't a smart idea. And to be fair, I can't appreciate that Leslie stood up for himself and for other people and told this man how it was. But I do not recommend this these actions at all without protection. Or without backup. But especially for Leslie, he's like four he's foot very, eleven. He's very small. <laughs> I love Leslie. Very small. So he goes outside with his iced tea and he throws it in the motherfucker's face. And he says, I think, I think I was more shocked than him. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically the guy clears his face, and I think he he uh, is about to throw a punch or something and, and he gets stopped or whatever because the police are on the scene now. Yeah. With the police on the scene, everything pretty much gets broken up. You know, the guys aren't arrested, but are, I guess, detained for a short amount of time and then released because the police get every, all the witness statements, see, sees what happens. And they release the fellas, tell them, Hey, you can't frequent here anymore. You can't come over here, whatever. And then the policeman comes to Leslie and is like, uh, you know, I could arrest you. And Leslie should be taking the advice of his friend who he called earlier, who told him to stay calm about the situation and to let it pass. But Leslie is going Leslie. And he's like, you can't raise me. You shouldn't raise me. You ain't going to do shit about this. These motherfuckers on me. Blah, 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 blah. He starts running his mouth. Being uh-huh. dramatic. So he turned around like with his hands behind his I back. That was my rapidly. favorite part is when after his tirade, he just turns around with his hands behind his back like, arrest me. <laughs> like, if you don't turn your ass around so I can get us talking to. <laughs> and so, he tells uh, the story so well. I just, I, I can picture it all happening. He's like, like a lot of uh, people with great comedic timing. He is a great storyteller. Yes. The policeman tells him, stop being dramatic. I was just telling you I could have arrested you because 
you didn't make the smart move there, but um, everything's okay. Basically, you've been vouched for. Just don't do no stuff like that no more. As the the ruffians are being dismissed by the police, the main guy, of course, looks back at Leslie and does one of those, you know, I see you type gestures. And that's when out of all the times of everything that's happened in this interaction where Leslie finally is kind of a little bit frightened. And he's like, well, maybe I did go too far. You know, I I don't want to be a target. So just for a little bit, he does change Starbucks and he goes to a different one. I think he said in Melrose and um, he stays there for a while. But eventually he's like, "Mm, you know, I'm not going to be scared. I'm not going to be ran out of a place that makes me feel at home, that I feel great at that's in my community. And he eventually comes back. He never sees those guys again. People say that, you know, those people might've came back once before, but since they were banned, they got put out and, you know, all is well ends well in that chapter. Let's talk about another great, but small role for Leslie that was kind of big for a lot of other people, the help. You know, I did not remember him in that movie. I actually do remember him just because (laughs) I I just remember his character and I do kind of know about the um, inner workings of the friendships involved. So Mm. let's talk about it. Um, Leslie was a part of the movie, the help. And the great thing about it is before he was officially casted, he was familiar with the book and director Tate Taylor. He and Tate Taylor are good friends. They've worked on a few different projects together throughout Leslie's life. And he's also good friends with Octavia Spencer. Same thing. He's worked with her for a few different projects as well. So he's down in Mississippi. He's around familiar people, but he's also around some big stars he's never been around before, at least not this close. People like Sissy Spacek, uh, Allison Janning, Viola Davis. And so when he's there and they're doing the script reading and all that, he's starstruck. And then he sees Sissy Spacek uh, scribbling in her script. And then he looks over and sees Viola scribbling in her script. And he said, well, I ain't about to be left out. So he starts scribbling in his. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, that's me. Because I ain't about to be looking like a, uh-huh. like a dumb motherfucker. <laughs> I'm not to be, I'm not unprofessional. I can scribble as well. Then we get into the story about Leslie and his character. So in the movie, The Help, Leslie plays like the um, the newspaper manager, boss. Editor, I was like, who's the main person? <laughs> the newspaper editor, you the know. The captain of the newspaper. I, I was, I was, I didn't, I wouldn't have said captain. It would have, <laughs> it would have crossed my mind. Possibly. So he's the newspaper editor who gives Emma Stone her her job, her gig when she uh, finishes college, I think. And he's like, he's stuck on him. He's stuck on himself. He, even though this is more of an ensemble cast. Leslie is about Leslie. So when he gets this role, he's just wondering, hmm, I don't know how to play this. I don't know what my character wants. I don't uh." And he's also in this like space where Tate has kind of talked up Emma Stone and uh, and she's great. And he called her the next Julia Roberts. And at this time, you know, Leslie is in his head about his own character, but he also is like, "Uh, Emma Stone, uh, I I don't see it, but I'll work with her. (laughs) (laughs) So they do this scene. And after, I guess, Tate says cut, you know, Leslie goes to him and is like, how do I do my, what what is my character? What is this? It's kind of a crazy question to ask the director when you're just kind of a bit player in the whole scheme of things. But they do say that actors are kind of self-centered. So I understood. Leslie sees that Tate at the time kind of indulged him. And when he asked, like, who's my character and what am what am I playing? He Tate says, Well, you know, in every small town there's one. And Leslie's like, one what? And he's <laughs> like, uh, you know, the married, the married businessman with all the kids that, you know, you know. And he's like, What? And then Tate just walks away. And then finally Leslie gets in and is like, Oh, I'm a sissy. <laughs> <laughs> And so he plays into that. 
uh, there's a, a scene where they're doing like a wide panning shot of them at a dance party or at the party and they're supposed to be dancing and having fun. And Leslie does a cartwheel after the scene's done. Tate's like, why did you do that? That's not staying in the movie. Why? What was that for? And Leslie's like, well, I thought it was nice. And I thought I was, con- <laughs> I thought it was a, a, a good thing to do, whatever. And, you know, Tate said it wasn't going to be in the movie. And then it was hilarious because somebody unintentionally fought for it to be in the movie because they wanted a, a light moment in the help because it is a little heavy and they uh-huh. thought it was cute. And so Leslie was vindicated. Man, <laughs> when Tate said Emma Stone was going to be the next Julie Roberts, uh, Leslie was unsure. But when he finally sees the help in the finished product, he is convinced he understands what Tate was trying to say about Emma, that she is very talented, that she gives a very nuanced performance. Whereas I'm like, oh, Emma Stone is a great actress. Don't you dare call her Julia Rogers. (laughs) But that's just me personally. Now, after filming wraps up, there's this beautiful story, I think, that kind of and it's a short and sweet one, but I I guess it kind of shows who Leslie is is as well as what Leslie kind of means to people in a, in, in a way. It's about Octavia winning the Oscar. So Octavia Spencer won Best Supporting Actress for her role in The Help. And Leslie was watching the, the uh, broadcast and he was so overwhelmingly happy for Octavia and seeing that she won. So the first thing he wants to do is call and leave her a voicemail, you know, because he's like, I know her phone's going to be lighting up, but I want to tell her I, Leslie, wants to, I want to let her know, you know, how proud of her I am, along with all those other people. But as soon as he calls, she picks it up and he's like, what the hell are you picking this up for? You You just won Oscar. I just saw you walk back there. And she's like, oh, my God, girl. I can't breathe. I'm double spanked up. And, you know, he's saying, well, you look beautiful. You look beautiful and you deserve the award and all that. And it's such a sweet moment. And I feel like maybe more was said, but of course he doesn't mention it. But I just thought it was a sweet moment that when somebody else is being honored, Leslie wants to honor them too. He always wants to put in a good word and make somebody feel special and congratulate them on their success. Whereas a lot of people on the come up that Leslie met were already so many, like they were already icons. And a lot of people were like, happy to meet Leslie, but not a lot of people like moved him up in the world. You know, Mm -hmm. he stayed a character actor, but throughout this book, if you do decide to read it, you will hear a lot of stories where Leslie is sacrificing his time, his space, his body to help others. You know, he was a part of a different, a couple different AIDS programs, volunteering his time. Nobody asked him to do that. That's something he wanted to do. Leslie loved animals. He had a pony on on their way back to the set of the help. They found a a dog on the side of the road and they stopped and Leslie held him the whole time. It's, It's small stories like that and other stories later in the book where it's like, Leslie was a sweet soul and a great soul. And even though he had these dark times, especially when uh, talking about his alcohol and drug abuse, where it's beautiful that he came out of that because he ended up becoming such a bright light for others, as well as himself. I think that if Leslie uh, didn't come out from it, or let's say Leslie did not decide to become sober, I think he would have always had that child heart but he would not have been a joy as he used to, as he was for others. So even though most people know Leslie Jordan as like this very funny guy, this meme, this gif or jif or whatever, like he was a very great person. He was somebody who a lot of people love and miss to this day. So that kind of brings us to the ending part. I don't want to get too much into the book because like I said, it's a short book and I kind of told you about half of it. Yeah. Um, so I think you should read the other half as well. Some of those stories I skipped over to kind of get more context and meaning. It is unfortunate that Leslie Jordan is not with us anymore. He ended up passing October 24th, 2022. Almost and, a year. Yeah. 
literally almost by a few days. And I think it was both like a happy, tragic thing that he got so his his resurgence in the public eye happened so he could write this book and tell us about himself. Because if you think about he wrote this for they said they, he spent a month and a half writing this during the pandemic. So if Leslie Jordan doesn't become viral, we don't ever get to hear more about his story from his own words, because even though he was such a great person, which such a what do you want to call it? Eclectic life, a very eccentric life, a very well lived life. We would have never gotten the full story. We would have only had what we've seen from 2019 before which wasn't a lot. Like I said, the man didn't have a social media account, not really. And he was just doing his job and going home. He was just a hard worker. Unfortunately, October 24th, 2022, he was driving. And according to his autopsy, there was like a sudden cardiac, like arrest or something that happened with his heart. And uh, it caused him to crash into a building. And unfortunately, he just did not survive. The great thing is that even though he does not leave behind any children, his Instagram account is kind of like a living memorial. If you want to know more about Leslie or if you want to see a lot of his like iconic clips, jokes, pictures with other famous people, photo shoots, you could go to his Instagram and it's just it shows everything. It's like a timeline of his career. It's very sweet. I even went on there yesterday. And I got a couple of screenshots that I thought were very sweet. So one of it, them, oh, sorry. Do you have something to it say? It is so sad in the book. Like the final chapter is like, well, not goodbye talking. forever, goodbye for now. Oh, and, and it was. Yeah. It, like knowing what we know that he did pass, like that's so sad to read because he's like, I have so many more stories to tell you once I'm ready to talk about them more. And it's like, he got to have that final like kind of goodbye, but there was so much more that I feel like he was planning for. Yeah. And that's, that's also why I say it's like a happy tragic thing Yeah, because it's like, oh, we got this one book, but he could have been like, a, um, I don't want to mention his name. Who's, who's someone else who writes a lot of books? <laughs> who are you about to say? Russell Brand? Yes. <laughs> but I definitely see the way that Leslie acts and writes. There could have been multiple books, like how y'all doing? What y'all doing? <laughs> Who you doing? Like he—he's a great storyteller. He's lived a long life. I do not think he scratched the surface with what he told us. So I—I I do feel like it. Yeah, it was a little bit of a loss that we didn't get more of them. But it was great that we did get this, just because everybody decided to make this man famous for like ten months. Not—not not saying that it didn't stay past that, but you know, he was on the timeline for a good long time. And I enjoyed it. I forgot what I was doing before we got into that tangent. What was I saying? You were talking about photos. Oh, the screenshot. The screenshot. So, yeah. uh, I was on his Instagram, and I was just going through a couple of pictures. So, uh, one of the pictures is of Leslie holding his book, How You Doing? How Y'all Doing? And the, the caption says, and of course, this is after he passed, but it's Leslie reading about his favorite subject himself. He loved to make fun of himself, and I think that's what made him so relatable. He sat down and wrote this book in six weeks during the pandemic. Leslie was not known as a writer, but this quick writing assignment was very impressive and funny. And then there's this picture of Leslie and Megan Mullally, and it's one of his famous Beverly Leslie quotes, which is, well, 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 Karen Walker, I thought I smelled gin and regret. And oh. I know that one, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that one a lot. And Octavia Spencer commented, and she says, I love that you keep his memory alive. When I see his face in my feed, my heart leaps. Then I reach to call him, and I realize my communication with him now is forever changed, forever different. And then she left some hearts. That's so sad. Yeah, it's, and there's a whole, there's, there was even like a tribute concert some months back and there was just a lot of love and just care poured into this tribute over this man who all he wanted to do is live in a world where he could be himself, be funny and help others. 
literally that's it. I, I don't even, if I read his book and I, and he was trying to do anything else, maybe I missed it, but that's kind of what I got. Once he was able to be himself, all he wanted to do is help others as well as um, educate others about the world as well as know more. Like he, I don't know. He was one of the best type of people who we lost, who came from an older generation. You don't see. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see that type of openness and um, fluidity in the older generation now. And we just lost a good one. And it's crazy that it was just a year ago because, yeah, he, he still had a lot of stories to tell. Yeah. It, he lived an amazing life, though. Just thinking, like, back to where his mom said, like, live your life quietly. Like, how could he when he's just, like, so flamboyantly open? Like, you know, like, he would have to get rid of parts of himself to live that way. I agree. So let's get to uh, our our closing thoughts. So. First, would you read this again? I listen to it again? Would not. Could you please give your reasoning, sir? <laughs> I it, it was a nice thing. There was a nice brush of positivity and light and all that, but I, I think I got my stories from there. It's not like I'll go back in. If I would go back in, it would just be for the American horror story parts. I found I those interesting. <laughs> you silly. That's all I care about. That's all I want. <laughs> like everything but else he talked about. I just feel like this was just a collection of stories. So this, yeah, this was more like a collection of stories more than a like, of course, a, a traditional memoir and all that type of stuff. Yeah. So, um, recommendations. Oh, you don't have to say yours. No, I want to go through all yours first. Okay. <laughs> I mean, mine is simple. That's I, so. I, I just want to know your thoughts. Plus, I talk most of the time, so I want you to talk. Okay, love it. I can talk all day. Okay. So, um, second question: recommendation. Would you recommend this book to a friend, to a stranger? Yeah. If someone wanted like a like a book to read on an airplane or something, it's short, it's sweet, leaves you in a good mood. I'd recommend it. Okay. And finally. One to five stars. What does how y'all doing? A lie. Wait, no. Misadventures <laughs> and mischief from a life well lived. What does it get? Three stars with the narration. One, I mean two without the narration. Oh my gosh. Did we do that last time? Did we make uh, <laughs> exceptions for narration? Because why are you doing Leslie like this? Be the narration just adds so much to it. But you you do miss a lot of that southern charm in the book if you don't do the narration. Okay, I ain't gonna lie. Yes, you're right. I think I would still keep it the same. Look, really? I, I I'm gonna go backwards. <laughs> so if I were to give this one through five stars, I think I would give this a solid three and a half with the narration. If I have to take it back, I would just do three stars. Okay. Um, without it. But I think it's three and a half. I like Leslie Jordan and I am familiar with his work, but some of his his earlier life experiences, some of his references, some of his favorite people are things and people and places I'm not as familiar with. I don't know the his the complete history of them. So sometimes I, I'm at a loss. So um, it kind of ages me and I don't like being aged <laughs> like I don't know certain <laughs> things. As well as if you aren't interested in certain subjects like him taking care of his pony, the inner workings of his family, him going through it when he's in Los Angeles for the first time, all that other stuff, it could kind of drag. But overall, I had a great time. I loved listening to it. I loved learning more. So I definitely would recommend this to anybody who wants a light, mostly light read. And what was the first question? Would you reread it? I'll stick with you. I probably don't need to reread it. If I if I like get stuck with all the books that we have downloaded that we've covered, I think that would probably be the first one I would re-listen to. But if I had to reread a book, no, it's not my first choice. Really? The first one you would re-listen to? Huh. <laughs> okay, let's think. Okay, it probably would be a tie between him and Jennifer Lewis. But mm. Leah and Viola are so heavy. Oh, that's true. 
And so is Elliot's. And then Donna, don't get us started on Love Pamela. Who's Elliot? Elliot Page. Oh, Elliot Page. <laughs> oh, oh my God, y'all. Did y'all hear him say that? I, I you, forgot we read that one. Did you fucking hear you say that? He said, Who's Elliot? I thought you were talking about that one guy, the bar one. <laughs> What's his name? The what? The guy who's in the bars, our first one we did. <laughs> Tucker Max? Tucker Max. I was like, he, I, I thought uh, his name was Max Elliot for some reason. I don't even know if he teaches. I'm sorry. I know this has nothing to do with it, and this will be my last thought before we probably end it. You know, he teaches his son to shoot assault rifles or rifles, period. And his caption was like his son holding up the headshot target with a whole bunch of headshots, talking about, oh, having guns and land is so great. Ugh. Just raising little say, killers. I don't. I don't mind that. Honestly, <laughs> I gotta say, I'm not. Um, you can't raise your little child boy to start shooting guns and only shooting in the head. <laughs> that sounds that's, psychotic a little. That's true. That's true. But it's, I'm not against him learning how to use a gun safely. Who said they was doing it safely? I, I just. You know what? Like, we're here. ending this episode. I can't believe you turned on me like this. I cannot believe it. I thought we were friends. But all we have left to do is our our next pick. Which, I mean, okay, hold on. Before you go, I feel like it can only be one of two books. Really only one of one. But I'm interested to see if you're going to do a left on me. So, What two are you thinking? Because I had one in mind and I changed it. Okay, I, I won't say what books, but I'll say that the one, the two books I think you might say... Both come out this month. Well, you would be right. <laughs> oh my god. We Who have we talked doing? about her long enough and we need to bring her down. If she wants to join us, she can to our little red table talk. <sighs> We're going to do Worthy by Jada Pinkett Smith. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually bought this one today and it I'm very excited to read it. Here's my problem. Okay. I said I was going to try to short this episode. Uh, eh, it kind of happened, kind of didn't. But <laughs> y'all better be prepared for this Jada one. I'm talking about the book. I ain't talking about the book. Then I'm talking about the book again. And then I'm not talking about the book. <laughs> we have been writing defense for Jada probably since the slap. Yes. If not before. If not and, before. <laughs> and I need this book so we can have like closure just some concrete talking points to the jada pinkett smith haters out there that's true yeah so we can actually know if we are full-blown defenders i think we are though but i want to know what all we are defending yeah what are we defending maybe we'll change our mind maybe we won't probably we're gonna see i jose you are you are good for a switch up though i am (laughs) but look at our latest reviews I'm also very you, biased, and I you, could, you are. I could take someone's side just because I like them or don't like them. And I gotta say, I'm not gonna be happy until Jada replaces Will Smith with a different actor, just like he did to the original Viv. And that's the stand. That's my stand. I forgot you don't like Will Smith because of that. Yeah, sh- Janet Hubert might have forgiven him. I, I do not. Forgot, because I was just about to say, what will do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he did do that. <laughs> But no, that's just a joke. I don't hold like that hard feeling. I, I know you don't, but that is like, man, it was cold of him to do. <laughs> he was pregnant, man. Okay, anyway. So okay. I'm so excited for this book. I want to see, because you see the headlines. I'm sure you've seen all the headlines. Yeah. Yeah. So many, including she's doing too much talking. What's in the book? Trust me. If this is what they let fly in the interviews, there's tons more in the book. Has to be. Yes, and it was very hard choosing between this one and Britney, but I think it's just more on brand for us to do Jada first, mm-hmm. and maybe Britney later. Yeah, sooner <laughs> rather than later. You know what was that be my other pick, which we need to put it on the list? Oh, tell me. Maybe I'll swap her out. Um, Because I've always wanted to read this book, Confessions of a Video Vixen. <gasps> I feel like I've always she- wanted to read that, and... Like, now's the perfect time, but I want to do Jada first. I agree. I have read that. It was about eight, six, eight years ago. 
So it's been a it's been a while. I definitely think we should. I didn't even think about that, Jose. And she's wrote she's wrote. That's like three. <laughs> she's written other books. <laughs> <laughs> she's written other books. So yeah, I don't. Okay, let's let's see what happens after Jada. But that definitely could be one of them. Jada and Britney both, and people might be like, "You should do Britney. She's the bigger star." Blah blah blah. I did it. But we're to stay true to ourselves. So we're to do Jada. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I love Britney, but Britney can wait. Also, Britney ain't promoting her book like Jada. Now we are going to do Jada, and Jada, if you're listening, please join us. We're your number one supporters. I loved yeah. you in Hawthorne. I. Damn. Gotham, I was there. Oh, oh, oh damn it. Girls oh, trip. I was on the trip. Girls, girls trip. <laughs> girls trip and set it off and the inkwell and all the stuff you did in the 90s and 2000s. I was there. Did you see someone sent like a message or something to Jada say? Yeah. What did you do with the money? Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for this one. So thank you guys for listening to this episode. Let us know. Did you read it? Did you want to read it? Are you going to read it? Or yeah. did you say, eh, this episode's enough. <laughs> <laughs> and pick up a copy of Worthy and join us. Yes. that. I wonder if we can still read Tabletop. Do you think she still has that trademarked? I feel like she has a trademark. I mean, just because they took the show don't mean she ain't got <laughs> fucking the, 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 the trademark copyright. Get rid of it. Yeah, because you see ain't nobody else doing no Red Table Talk. They She's sue them in a second. Mm-hmm. She's about to sue us. Oh, no. The brown <laughs> Table Talk. <laughs> brown. Okay, thank you guys so much for listening. It's been wonderful. Bye. Bye.